Two Friends, Two Murders contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Nobody in an atmosphere like this has any contact with violence or walks in any fear. Except who knows what hides in the private jungle beyond any respectable door. everyone and welcome back to two friends two murders i'm kylie and i'm aubrey and after last week's episode of famous people who were murdered we decided why not continue and do uh famous people who were murdered Ers. murder yeah famous people <laughs> who were murderers <laughs> yes because last week was famous people who were murdered you got it we right. figured it out yeah um yeah so here we are with episode 53 where we'll talk about some famous people who committed some murders um and you know murder isn't the only crime that some famous people commit uh i have a list of some which i'm sure a lot of you have heard of but let's go through a few before we jump in right let's do it uh one which has been all all over lately has been johnny depp with the accusations where he was uh verbally and physical abusive with his ex-wife amber heard Oh, yeah, but, like, hasn't it come out that it was actually, like, her? Yeah. So was, like, really abusive back to him, and, like, mm-hmm. I heard that she, like, put out cigarettes on him and, like, a bunch of random stuff, like, crazy stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so it was, like, a completely 360, and now she's being charged with uh, being abusive, and I think yeah. she got, like, fired from all of her shows and all that. It's right. a hot mess. They're basically. gonna, like, I never watched Aquaman, but I heard oh, yeah. that they're replacing her in, like, the new one. Yep, so there's that one. Wow, that's, um, that's wild. Jared, I think it's Fogel, Fogel, whatever, the, the subway guy. Oh, he, oh, yeah. He's yeah. like a pedophile, isn't he? Yep, so he pled guilty to possessing and distributing child pornography and traveling across state lines to have sex with at least two teenage girls. Ew. Yep, yep, it's nasty. The subway guy, what the fuck? I know, right? You wouldn't think that. Um, And then there's Bill Cosby, which also has been all over the news lately. So he, yep, he's in multiple lawsuits with sexual assault. Um, A bunch of women have come forward lately saying that he was sexual abusing them. They've even gone to say that he's raped them and all of these things. Yeah, there's, like, tons of women that are saying he, like, spiked their drink, yep. like, roofied them. Like, isn't he, he he got convicted, I'm pretty sure, on, like, a bunch yeah, of Yeah, I think, charges. I'm pretty sure he did, too. I think it says, yeah, that he has a number of, like, upward to eight civil lawsuits against him. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yep. he's gross. And then we got Chris Brown back in 2009 when he got into a physical alteration with Rihanna, and she he, like, beat her. Yeah, the picture of her is disgusting. Like, yep. I can't... Yeah, it's so bad. So oh, my God. He, he was so charged bad. with that. Yeah. Um, and it was saying that when he went on, like, uh, Good Morning America and they were talking to him about it, and he got up and threw a chair through his dressing room window in a fit of rage before the show <laughs> happened. Anger issues. Anger Jesus. issues. Right? 
And then while doing the research, and me and Kylie were just talking about this, I don't know if you all know Johnny Lewis. He's in a couple shows like Sons of Anarchy. He was in a, a show with Hilary Duff back in the day. Um, but basically, he's an ex of Katy Perry. Yeah. If you look him up, you'll recognize him. But yeah. basically, he killed his like 81-year-old landlady and her cat. And he was like having a psychotic episode and ended up falling or jumping from a building. Yeah, and that's just so crazy because, like, I didn't, you know, it's just, like, I would never have heard about that unless we were doing this research, you know, and you'd think that would be, like, pretty big news, but yeah. apparently it's, like, not, and, like, yeah. you said, there's not a lot of details on it, so yeah. it's, like, why, you there's know, like, no you would details. think there would be. Yeah, exactly, and then one of the most popular that mostly everyone knows is O.J. Simpson, who yes. was acquitted of the murder of his wife and their friend, um, yeah. and you know, the whole, there's a whole shabacle, a whole thing about it. Uh, he was also convicted of armed robbery and kidnapping after holding a pair of sports dealers in, at gunpoint in Las Vegas. So he is just, he's something else. Did you ever watch else. that? Um, I think it was Ryan Murphy that did like a the documentary. It wasn't a documentary cause it was more like a, like you know, just a take on it, but it was a really, what is it? I think it was just called The Trial of O.G. Yeah, yeah. John Travolta's in it and, like, a bunch of other Mm -hmm. people. It was so good. Yeah, it's a good one. You guys need to definitely check that out, but um, should we talk about some uh, famous people who've committed murder? Let's do it. I think it's you. I'll go first. Start us off. Hennessy's very vocal today. He's really into this episode, so just uh, be ready. You know what? If you hear a cat crying or if you hear a baby crying, just, you know, Listen, Tune it out. That's life, okay? <laughs> it's life. Okay. That's li- so I am doing Oscar Pistorius, who was a famous Olympic gold medalist. So Oscar was born November 22nd, 1986 in South Africa. He was born to his parents, I think it's Henke and Sheila Pistorius. Okay. Um, he grew up in a Christian home, and he has an older brother, Carl, and a younger sister, Amy. He was very close with his family. There wasn't any, like, past childhood troubles, anything like, like that. The most crazy thing happened was that his parents divorced at a young age, but nothing serious. Yeah. yeah. Um, family-wise, medical-wise, he had a lot of issues. So he was actually born with fibular hemilia. I'm not a doctor, so please don't quote me. <laughs> Basically, it's a congenital absence of the fibula in both legs. So he didn't have a fibula in both legs. So when he was just 11 months old, both of his legs were amputated halfway between his knees and his ankles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Oscar's parents ended up getting divorced, like I said, at a very young age. So he moved in with his mother, and they were very close. They had a very close relationship all through his childhood. Um, he attended Kloof Primary School and a boys' high school where he actually played a lot of sports. So he played rugby, he played soccer, he played water polo, he played tennis. So he was very sportsy. Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar's mother actually ended up passing away when he was only 15 years old, which was very hard on Oscar. But he still continued to push himself through these sports because that's kind of like what got him through that. Okay. Um, later on in life, he actually suffered a knee in- injury during a rugby game, I think, in high school, and he had to go to a rehab center where they were teaching him how to walk again, and he f- actually started working with a trainer where he started running, and that's kind mm-hmm. of where he found his love for running and where he kind of got into that. Wow, okay. Um, so from there, he was fitted for racing blade prosthetics and started his career as a runner. So he was also still in college. He was studying for a bachelor's of commerce and business management. 
and sports medicine at the University of Petora in 2006, but he never actually graduated just because he got so busy with the Olympics and things like that that he kind of just kind of never went back and did that. Yeah. Um, so he actually competed in his first two or T44 event, which is like a amputee running event in the Paralympics. Okay. So that's kind of where he kind of got into there. People started to refer to him as, you would hear, Blade Runner, which Kylie just found out. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that that yep. was a nickname. And the fastest man on no legs. So those were his nicknames that you may have heard before. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. You know what I mean? That you can still like push yourself. Yeah, exactly. Even, yeah, that's awesome. So Oscar was in the 2004 Summer Paralympics in Athens and actually became third overall in his event. So he was very good. Yeah. Um, from there, he went on to the final in the world um, and actually got a world record time of 21.97 seconds. So he was fast. Yeah, that's wild. So he would continue for years, passing world records and winning multiple gold and silver medals. Oscar would even be invited to participate in the Summer Olympics rather than the Paralympics. Um, so he was trying to get in with the Olympics, but there was a lot of back and forth and criticism because people claimed that his artificial limbs gave him an advantage over runners with natural ankles and feet, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. it even got to the point where in 2007, the IAAF, which is, who knows, some special people in the Olympics that make rules, uh-huh. basically decided to ban any use of technical devices that incorporate sprints, wheels, or any other element that provides a use with an advantage against other athletes. People always want to be mad about that. Yep, That's... exactly. So this, they say that this new rule was not directed at Oscar, though. That's what it seemed like because he was the first person invited to do this. And yeah, then it's they like, decided. what do you mean? Of course it is. Yep. So Oscar, obviously trying to fight against this, he like ended up taking part in a scientific test to show that artificial limbs did not give any advantage. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, because of this, they still found it illegal for prosthetics to be in the Olympics, so he was not allowed to play in the Summer Olympics. Oh, wow. But Oscar appealed the emotion again before an actual court in 2008, and after a two-day hearing, the councils, de- or the councils decided to revoke the decision to make it illegal, and he was able to go on to get into the Summer Olympics in 2012. Yeah, so that's was, crazy, because I'm sure, you know, it obviously opened the door for other people, too. Like, that's yep. such a huge thing to be able to turn over. Yep, exactly. So, um, he ended up not qualifying for the finals just due to his this, the time that he got, but mm-hmm. finally he got what he he got into the 2012 summer olympics for the 400 meter run so he didn't qualify for one of them but he did qualify for the 400 meter run so he joined the olympic team he was the first man ever from the paralympics to join the olympic team and overall the team took eighth place wow that's cool yeah um so he was very popular a lot of people especially people amputees looked up to him because why wouldn't you right he's Lost yeah, his role legs. model for sure. Yeah, exactly. So he was given an award by BBC Sports for Personality of the, the Year for his courage and achievement in the face of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, he went on to make the Time 100 and Time Magazine's annual list of world's most influential people. And wow. he would go on to win multiple gold and silver medals throughout his career. So 
Um, not everything in Oscar's life was an achievement. Obviously, this is a true crime podcast, so uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a dark turn. Yes. <laughs> so a lot of his achievements and awards were later revo- revoked because of the murder of his girlfriend Reva Steenkamp. So Reva was born August nineteenth, nineteen eighty three, in Cape Town, Africa. She was born to Barry Steenkamp, who was a horse trainer, and her mom's name was June. Okay. She had a very normal childhood. She had two older half-siblings from her parents' past marriages. The family lived in Port Elizabeth where she attended school. She went on to study law at the University of Port Elizabeth. She she was a very smart girl. Um, Yeah. She even ended up graduating with a Bachelor of Law degree in 2005. So after she graduated, she worked as a paralegal, but she also started picking up modeling. Like, she always did a little bit of modeling when she was younger, but she really got into it once she was older. Okay. Um, so she was the finalist in Miss Port 2005, and she was ranked number 40 in the 100 Sexiest Women in South Africa. Ooh, get it, girl. Yep, so she did a lot of mo- modeling. She started showing up in television advertisements and TV shows. She was even in, like, a reality TV show. Um, okay. which that's where a lot of people kind of got to know who she was. Um, friends, okay, so she's pretty much, she's like a celebrity for the yeah, area. basically. For sure. So they they were both pretty popular in Africa, right? Okay. Um, so she met Oscar in 2012, and they had only dated for three months before her murder. So there's not a lot of b- between the two that there's like in the news. People yeah. explain them as a happy couple and things like that, but obviously things come out a little bit later on. So, on Valentine's Day, 2013, Oscar uh, fired four shots through the door of a locked bathroom door in his house, thinking that an intruder was in his house. On the other side of the bathroom door was Reva. So, Oscar immediately proceeded to break down the door after he had found out that Reva was in there and it was not an intruder. So I actually have a video of him kind of explaining what happened that night, so I'll play that for you guys. Okay. I thought that there was a burglar that was skating entry into my home. The first thing that ran through my mind was that I needed to arm myself, that I needed to protect Reva and I, that I needed to get my gun. And, um, and then I heard a noise from inside the toilet. Um, what I perceived to be somebody coming out of the toilet. Before I knew it, I'd fired four shots at the door. I didn't want to believe that it could be Reva inside the toilet. I ran back to the bedroom where the cricket bat was. And then I then hit the door. Um, I think I hit the door three times, flung the door open, I threw it open. And I sat over Reva and I cried. And um, I don't know, I don't know how long. <coughs> I don't know how long I was there for. <laughs> she wasn't breathing. <laughs> okay, so basically. Oh my God, his yeah. crying, like, it gave me chills. Yeah, Ugh. he's obviously very emotional, so there's a lot of back and forth on what happened. So, basically what he's saying is he thought an intruder had broke in, um, and he heard a noise coming from a locked bathroom, so he fired shots into this bathroom, 
When he found out it was Reva, he grabbed a cricket bat and he broke this door down, ran in there, and tried to give her medical assistance. So, after hearing screams and what he thought was gunshots, a neighbor who was actually a doctor went over and started assisting Reva. He attempted to do a jaw lift maneuver on Reva to help her breathe, but in the end, there was no pulse. So... Did all four shots hit into her? I think it was only three. Okay. But one like one hit her in the head, so she died pretty quick. Oh, um, gosh. Oscar was obviously immediately questioned by police, and he can, continued to tell police that he believed an intruder was in the home, which a lot of things didn't add up. So he was saying that he was bringing in a fan and shutting the balcony door when he heard a noise coming through the bathroom, but it's also like, why would an intruder be in your bathroom with a door locked? Yeah. And you yeah. didn't think to check for Reva before this happened? Right. You, you know? know that she's there. Yeah. Like, how could it not just easily be her before your mind jumps to intruder? Exactly. So, with everything that happened, obviously it just didn't make sense. So, he was arrested for the murder and the trial began in March of 2014. So, okay. um, proceedings were actually adjourned because they wanted Oscar to undergo a psychiatric evaluation to establish if he could even be criminally held responsible for the shooting. But after everything... It came back that he just had an anxiety disorder, but he could still be held responsible. So the in June of 2014, they continued with the trial. Yeah. Um, the prosecution would go on to say that Reva wrote that Oscar scared her multiple times, that he was jealous of her talking about other men, and he was very overprotective. But obviously, Oscar would say that he never treated her badly, and if she thought that it was a bad relationship, she would have left. Um mm. Oscar also told the court that she that he had screamed, get out of my house, get out of my house multiple times, like, to this intruder. But the court was like, well, then why wouldn't Reva had responded? And, like, he was super emotional about it. And they're like, are you just getting emotional because you knew it was Reva when you shot her, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, where are these tears coming from? Guilt yeah. or... Yep, exactly. Um, the defense team fought back saying they were a happy couple. On the same day they celebrated Valentine's Day, gave each other gifts, were ha- they were happy in their relationship. Um, multiple neighbors came out to say they heard screaming from a woman, which is kind of weird because you think that she would have been threatened or something and that's why she was screaming. Yeah. But the defense uh, tried to fight back saying that it was Oscar who was screaming for help. So. <laughs> Obviously, throughout the whole process, Oscar was very emotional during the trial, as you can see in that video, or hear in that video. Yeah. But overall, on September 12th, Oscar was actually found guilty of culpable homicide and one firearm-related charge of reckless endangerment. So, culpable homicide is a categorization of certain offenses, like illegal killing of a person with or without an intention to kill. And in huh. South Africa, they determined that an on, an unlawful unlawful killing of a human being, aka involuntary mons- manslaughter, is kind of what falls under this. Oh wow! I yeah. don't think I've heard of that before. That's yeah. interesting. So Oscar only received a prison sentence for five years, and an additional three for the reckless endangerment of having the gun. Oh, my gosh. So, after he'd only served one-sixth of his prison sentence, he was recommended for early release because apparently in South Africa they have a law that one is eligible for release after serving one-sixth of their sentence under supervision, which is crazy 
to me. What the heck? They're, yeah, it's really interesting over there, too, because they don't actually do, like, a jury or anything yeah. either. Nope. They, like, yeah, it was just a, in a front judge. of a judge. Yep. Um. So his release to just house arrest was announced for August 21st, 2015. So it was, like, less than a year that he'd served his time before this was all what? going down. But this was blocked by South Africa Judge Justice Minister saying that his release was premature and he, but anyways, so it just pushed it out a little bit further and he ended up getting released from prison in October of 2015. But, yeah, in November, prosecutors applied to appeal the culpable homicide verdict saying that five-year sentence was way too light. Um, the appeal was later heard that month before five Supreme Court judges, and a, they made a unanimous decision to overturn the culpable homicide conviction, and they found him guilty of murder of Riva. So, he's out. He thinks he's good. Everything's fine. But on July 6, 2016, the judge sentenced Oscar to six years imprisonment for murder, even though in South Africa, the minimum sentence of this offense is 15 years. And I'm sure... With his, how popular he was and just the situation, yeah. that's why he's getting a lesser sentence, right? Yeah, that's, you know, that happens all the time with yep. fake celebrities and rich people. Yep. But again, the prosecution tries to appeal and it ends up going to court again in November 2017. And they extend Oscar's jail term to 13 years and five months and he will not be eligible for parole until 2023. Whoa. Yeah. You know what? That still blows my mind because that's literally right around the corner. Right? Yeah. It's not. It's coming up. It's coming up. Like yep. that, like that seems like nothing in yep. comparison to like other charges that we've read about or yeah. that we've like done research on in comparison. Like, exactly. Like there's no question if he murdered her or not. Right. It's just they're like questioning his intent yet he still exactly. gets that light of a sentence. That's insane. Exactly. So, Reva was cremated at Victoria Park Crematorium, um, surrounded by her friends and family. They scattered her ashes at a local um, beach that she loved. So, in the end, yes, there's a lot of speculation about... He never denies shooting her, obviously. It's just whether or not he really thought there was an intruder or if it was he knew that Reva was in the bathroom. Which weird. Yeah. After doing research, it was crazy because one of his ex-girlfriends came out after he had been arrested saying that she always feared for her life when they were in the relationship. Like, he always carried a gun and she always was scared that he was going to use it on her. She said that during their 18-month relationship, he would bite her and pinch her and he would, like, lock her in the house when they went out. So, it, like, started to come out that he was, like, kind of crazy. Yeah, like, I just don't buy it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you you first, you hear a noise and you jump to an intruder. You don't even call out for Reva but first. Like, and then, like... What do you think he's doing? Going to the bathroom? Why would he be locked in a bathroom? And it's literally just a toilet. Yeah. It's not like he was in a bathroom. He was in, like, just a locked room with a toilet. That's... Is no, where she was. No. Yeah. I don't buy it. Yeah. That's great. Especially with an ex-girlfriend who had been with him for 18 months. Yep. So she really knows this person, you know? You know somebody pretty well yep. after that long. Yeah. And saying that she feared for her life. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sketchy. Exactly. So there you have it. Look into it more <sighs> if you want, but that's that's what... That's the gist of it. <laughs> that's wild. All right, so Kylie. it's like so crazy too because his story starts out like so inspiring. Yeah, and exactly. And when you're watching like, this documentary, like you feel like this is how documentaries sometimes are is they make you feel bad 
for the people who committed the crime, right? Oh, absolutely. So you question yourself, like, did he do it? Did he not? Because when you're reading through the research, you're like, oh, he definitely did. But then you watch this documentary where they're turning it on you and you're like, oh, I don't know now, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump into mine because that's kind of how I felt about this one. Let's do it. Um, okay, so my story is about Aaron Hernandez, and so I don't know if you know a lot about him. I didn't yeah. really know anything about him or the case. All I knew is that he was a football player. Yeah, I just barely, I don't, I know some details, but not a ton. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know that he was a really popular football player. I don't follow football, so yeah. <laughs> this story will probably hit you harder if you're a football fan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, here we go. So Aaron was born on November 6, 1989, and he was just born into a sports family. Okay. His fa- his father, Dennis Hernandez, had played football, coached football. They basically just ate, sleep, slept, and breathed football, right? right. Um, people in their community of Connecticut called his father the king. And, oh. like, that was just, like, his father's nickname. Like, he was just this, like, public figure that everybody looked up to. Like, just a pillar in the community, right? Yeah, so they were a popular family before popular him. Family, like, everybody, like, you know, specifically people that were into, like, the sports of yeah. the town. Too. Okay. Like, just very into it. Um, Aaron and his older brother, DJ, were naturally talented athletes. Like, they played all kinds of sports, basketball, um... Uh, soccer, a bunch of other stuff, but they shined in football. Okay. It was very clear at a young age that both him and DJ were, like, on a very high level of athleticism. Yeah. Um, like, they were, you know, like, just kind of blowing other people out of the water, even from the – just from the jump. Okay. Um, they said that their father really pushed them to excel and coached them and, you know, uh, held practices for them. Aaron even told the media that if he had dropped a ball, his father would make him do 100 push-ups. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he was really hard on him, like, super tough love, but, like, they respected him. And they, yeah. it, from all everything that I gathered, they really bonded over this. Like, they all wanted to be um, – at that high level of athleticism. So they, they, even though it was like really tough, they still liked it. Yeah. Um, but you know, despite that things were not the best in their household, there were a lot of fights and there was a lot of domestic abuse between Dennis and their mother, Terry. Okay. Uh, Dennis had issues with alcohol. The family said that if he had had a bad day, everybody knew it. And there was just like, he, you know, was not quiet about him being in a bad mood and treated the whole family kind of bad. Hmm. Um, DJ, the older brother, has actually written a book about, like, their, their life and, like, oh, everything really? that got down. Yeah, so it, I'm sure it's a super interesting read. Oh, yeah. But it talks about a night where Dennis had actually came home and him and Terry were fighting. And she hit him with something. Like, I think she threw something at him. And then he proceeded to take her head and, like, hit her head oh. into the bathroom sink repetitively. Oh, my God. Until she lost consciousness. Jeez. Yeah, so there's just a lot of freaking anger between them. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, they never got divorced. His father actually, Dennis actually died in 2006 from a hernia surgery compli- surgery complication. Are you serious? Yeah. Jeez. So so scary, right? Like yeah. just this, like routine. I, I, I guess I don't know a lot about the surgery. But yeah, I mean it's a very routine, common surgery. Yeah. He passed away, and Aaron took the death extremely hard. 
and just was never really the same, never truly recovered from yeah. it. And after that, he basically became estranged from his mother. Oh, okay. Um, the relationship was even more strained after he found out that his mother had been having an affair with his cousin's father, Jeff Cummings. And so they yeah. just, you know, they didn't, they, they weren't close anymore. And Aaron kind of started to get into trouble with the law, had some violent streaks. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of internal struggles going on too. Like there, and this will, this is kind of a theme throughout his story. There's a lot of rumors that go on about his sexuality. People do not know if he is gay, if he is bisexual, if he's straight, like Hmm. there's like in this documentary, the Netflix documentary that I watched, um, there's this kid that was on his high school football team with him that claims that they were together, like that they had a relationship. Oh, interesting. But then he also, his fiance throughout all of this, they had met in high school and like they were together, uh, knew each other since elementary school and they had been together. And she, she basically has just said that no one can talk about Aaron's sexuality except for him. You yeah. Know what I mean, nobody absolutely. can make that statement besides him. And yeah. he's, you know, and, We'll, we'll get to that. But anyway, so there's a ton of rumors about his sexuality and he's just having these kind of internal struggles. Okay. Um, and so let's see. And then, uh, let me see. Yeah. And so, but basically they said because of like how narrow minded his father was, even if he was gay or bisexual, he would, he would never say it because of like his, you know, father's super old school, narrow minded, not really accepting of that, that kind of stuff. um, Yeah. So, and then even, so his brother actually, in that same book that I was talking about, he talks about how Aaron was sexually assaulted by a babysitter when they were growing up. Um, And then another thing that he was struggling with is that he blames his mom for not getting him on ADHD medication, and that's why he struggled through school as well. So he just, he has a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But despite all of this, football was still his life. And he, you know, focused on that and he becomes this football superstar. Yeah. So there are a ton of details about his football career and recruitment, but I'm just going to go over the highlights. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because football stuff is lost on me. So if you're interested in that, though, I would definitely recommend watching the documentary on Netflix because it it goes over all of that and it also goes over like, football culture the industry like how profitable it is how kind of like corrupt it can be like it's very interesting so I would definitely like the ugly side of it I would I would suggest it but so the highlights so Aaron is obviously amazing in high school he has set a ton of football records I think I mentioned earlier that he started dating his fiance Cheyenne during high school. They had known each other forever since elementary. Um, He's playing football for Connecticut University, transfers to Florida, and again, he's just super talented, setting records. He has had multiple games where he's gotten knocked out super hard but just pushes through. He is like a huge dude too. I don't know if you've seen a picture of him, but Six two and two hundred and forty forty five pounds. Yeah, he's a big guy. At least, yeah, when he got drafted, that's how big he was. Like yeah. he's a big dude. Uh, and so he's in his senior year of college, but decides to skip it and enters into the NFL draft. Okay. So this is in two thousand ten, and he's like, I think he's like twenty three at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. And he's picked up by the New England Patriots as their tight end and starts making football history. 
him and this other guy, uh, Stephen <laughs> Stephen Krugnowski. Mm-hmm. I don't. I have no idea. And <laughs> I'm again. I'm sorry to football fans because I'm sure I butchered that. But like, they get drafted at the same time, and they kind of become like this dream team on the Patriots. Okay, they're making touchdowns together like crazy like they're just like this very dynamic duo and they are getting a ton of attention from people um they win a super bowl aaron actually makes a super bowl touchdown which like is a huge accomplishment for football players obviously um so yeah, yeah i mean he's just huge in the world right now and despite some of the and despite some of the red flags that have come out about him like He's failed drug tests. He actually had to agree to be drug tested more than other individuals because oh, of gosh. this. He has, you know, drug and violence past issues, but they're, you know, just kind of burying it yep. because of how talented he is. Yeah. Like, no one really cares because of how much he's doing for the team. Which is sad because he's secretly struggling on the outside and no one, like, they just want him to keep playing, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah. Again, there's, like, a ton of craziness that goes on in the football world, but there's yeah. this one part in the documentary where they're talking about how they give all the players this thing called Trobadol, mm. which is basically, like, a painkiller that, yep. like, you can play through, and then at one point they ban it from the league, but... Aaron claims that they were still giving it to him every single game so that Jeez. he could put, like, that, so that he could still play. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean... I don't know the validity of that, but it's still crazy to think yeah. about. So, anyways, career is going amazing, right? But there's a lot of weird things that are going on with Aaron, um, such as him and Cheyenne had had a daughter named Avia, Avila. I'm not sure him, but they were having marital issues. She says that Aaron had actually cheated on her with the nanny. And she moved out for a little bit, but decided to move back in and try and like work it out with them. Um, So that's one thing that's going on with them. This other guy named Alexander Bailey from Aaron's past starts to show up and is basically blackmailing Aaron, saying that if he doesn't give him a certain amount of money, he's going to tell everyone that Aaron is the one who shot him. So apparently this guy lived in Aaron's hometown and had been like his drug dealer. And one night they were out together and a drug deal had gone bad. Alexander basically blamed it on him. They got into a conference, like a confrontation and Aaron shot him. But like, Hmm. instead of going to the police or anything, Alexander basically said that he wanted revenge on Aaron down the road. And so now it's like him coming to reap his revenge, essentially. (laughs) Yeah. So Aaron is getting really paranoid about this guy, like thinks that his life is in danger, you know, thinks that like he's not safe. He even asks the head coach of the Patriots to get switched to another team, but he says no. Instead, they just kind of like pacify him by giving him like this apartment on the side to where like Aaron could go find refuge. Like what the heck? Yeah, they're they're basically like, no, we're not going to switch you, but here's this apartment you can go to when you want to like get away from it all so okay yeah um and so let's see and then uh so Aaron's still you know like that obviously didn't fix the problem so he's getting really paranoid he ends up buying like a ton of guns like he has a bunch of different guns in his house he sleeps with a knife next to him um he ends up starting to hang out with these two guys named carlos ortiz and ernest wallace and they're kind of like low-key crime people like Mm. one of them got in trouble for like stealing bikes 
like bicycles so like they're not like these big like crime lords or anything yeah like he starts hanging out around them and like he says that they're friends but everybody gets more of the vibe that they're kind of like his bodyguards more so um so this is all kind of going down but while this is starting while this is starting to unravel aaron has becomes become friends with this other guy named odin lloyd odin lloyd is aaron's fiance's sister's boyfriend okay uh odin lloyd was um born in november 14th 1985 so him and aaron are around the same age i think he's a little a few years older than him but still in their 20s okay um he has a sister he is like a super you know just super nice guy people really like him he plays semi-professional football so again i don't really know the details but apparently that's like when people will actually still pay to play in like the semi-pro league yeah so he does that and then um so him and aaron really bond over that and they both love to smoke weed okay so they're (laughs) like they become fast friends okay um and then, so, there, yeah, like I said, they, they bond really quickly. And then on June 14th, Odin and Aaron go to a club together called Rumor. And there's this video of them in the club. And Aaron starts dancing with this girl. And it's seeming like they're having a good time. And all of a sudden, he just gets, like, pissed mm. and, like, storms off. And they, they interview the girl later. And she's like, yeah, I have no idea what happens. Like, he <laughs> wanted to dance me. And then, like, one second later, he's, like, super mad running away. And yeah. I'm like, okay. And there's an eyewitness saying that, like, while he was getting super mad, he was staring at Odin. He storms out of the club. Odin tries to catch up to him, follows him. And, like, literally no one knows why Aaron got so mad and, like, what the problem was. Yeah. Um, So that happens. And then two days later, or, yeah, I think a few days later, Aaron basically texts Odin and he's like, hey, I'm going to pick you up so that we can hang out. And there's a video of Aaron, those two other guys that he's hanging out with, uh, Ernest and Carlos. The bodyguards. And Odin, and they're all at a gas station stopping for gas. And okay. the, it's like a surveillance, surveillance video, yeah. right? And Aaron goes into the gas station and buys bu- blue bubblicious gum and blunt wrappers. Okay. So that's like they're hanging out, whatever. But then the next day, Odin's body is found in a field near Aaron's house. He had been shot six times, three in the back, one in the arm, and two in his head. So he was probably running away or something. I, they think he was, like, trying to get out of the car. Okay. Um. So, again, Odin's family was just in complete shock. Like, they, he didn't have any enemies. No one knows why anyone would want to hurt him. Yeah. And so, obviously, Aaron is the first suspect, because he's the only they're in like this area called North Attleboro and it's like I mean so Aaron is like a super super rich football player right so they're in this like fancy huge mansion this super rich area where like shootings just don't happen yeah and also Odin like Aaron is the only person that Odin knows in North Attleboro so they're like okay there's obviously and the field is like down the street from Aaron's house so he's obviously the first person that they end up talking to yeah and the evidence just starts to stack up for instance like it kind of seemed like Odin knew something was off because as like that night they have text messages from him texting his sister. He texts his sister and he's like, hey, did you see who I was with? 
And she's like, what? Hello? And then he texts again, NFL, just so you know. What? Like, that's a very ominous text. Like, yeah. hey, here's who I'm with. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just, yeah, super weird. So, so weird. Um, the car that they were in was apparently a rented car that Aaron, that was rented in Aaron's name. They ended up finding bullet shells in the car. There was a bullet shell that was stuck in a thing of big blue bubblicious gum. What? They interviewed the girl at the rental place, like the rental car place, and she like talks about Aaron returning the car and states that he actually offered her a piece of blue gum at the time. It was like, hey, you want some? She was like, no, but like, yeah, so there's... There's tire tracks that match the car. There's shoe prints that match Aaron's shoes. Um, so they have enough to, like, you know, search his house. And yeah. they can tell that, like, things have been wiped down. Security videos at his house had been deleted. Hmm. Um, just There's a ton, a ton of circumstantial evidence yeah. that stepped up against him at this point. And so then they end up arresting him. And what was kind of interesting about him being arrested is they like handcuffed him and then like they threw a shirt on over him. So I'm assuming he was shirtless, handcuffed him and then they threw a shirt on over him. So like you can tell that his sleeves are empty. Oh yeah. And this becomes like a huge craze. Like people in the football culture who are like, you know, still obsessed with him, still maintaining that he's innocent, are, like, taking pictures like this. Like, what they're the pretending heck? that their hands are behind their back and, like, their shirts and stuff. Like, it was called Hernandezing for, like, a while. Like, okay. it's just, yeah, it's super crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, people, again, are just, like, maintaining that he's innocent, that there's no way he could do this. Like, but the Patriots end up dropping him immediately. They're yeah. like, nope, we want basically nothing to do with yeah. him. Um, another weird thing is like, so he's in jail at this point and he adapts super well. Like there's calls from him to his mom that are like, I love my cell. Like, I think it's so, it's so nice and like cozy. Like I love being in here. Like just was like, it's just really weird. You know what I mean? Like he's like not upset about being in jail at all and is like vibing with the lifestyle. Mm. Um, he ends up attacking another inmate for who knows what reason, but like, just doesn't, is not like, I don't know. He's just not phased by it at all. Yeah. So fast forward, they end up going to trial and there's, again, we already know how much evidence is against him, yeah. right? Uh, the defense like was trying to like say that he wasn't there at first and that he was like clubbing and stuff. But like Aaron has said some stupid stuff that ends up getting him like they know that he was there. Right. Yeah. So the, the defense changes their story and they're like, yeah, he was there, but it was one of these other guys that shot him. And like Aaron just didn't know what to do. He's like this young 23 year old and didn't know how to handle the situation. It was one of these guys. And then the prosecution ends up showing this home security video of like, it's like a day after Odin was murdered and it's Aaron and those two guys down in his basement, just like hanging out, drinking smoothies, like, the two guys are, like, playing with Aaron's baby, and they're just like, that's not what you do. No. If you think, if your friend just got murdered by these other people. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not just going to go hang out with them casually like that. Yeah. Anymore. So, he is convicted of first-degree murder, life in prison, and sentenced with no parole. And I'm guessing the other guys got convicted as well. 
They did, yeah. So yeah. they got they didn't get um, first degree murder. They got accessory to murder okay. charges. Okay. And so it gets even crazier though because now there's this murder of these two men from 2012 that surfaces that Aaron is somehow connected to. Hmm. And so now he's being charged with these two murders oh, as well. Oh, really? So there was enough and, evidence to go with it? Yeah, they ended up finding, like, because it was a cold case. It was okay. like these two guys had just been murdered. It, no, They had no witnesses, no anything, and then it was a cold case. But somehow they end up finding the surveillance, surveillance video in the club of Aaron going in there. Hmm. And then another eyewitness that said that, like, uh, he, these guys had, like, spilled a drink on him. And then that's why he, like, ended up going to go shoot Yeah, jeez. So he's getting charged for that. He ends up getting a new lawyer named Joseph Baz. And this guy is the motherfucker that, um, it makes me so mad. He's the guy that defended Casey Anthony. Oh, and really? So if you guys know that case, she's the girl that murdered her little girl. Yeah. And ended up getting off. Like, it was huge, right? Which is huge. why I'm sure he picked her him. Well, I, yeah, I mean, exactly. He's like this, basically, he's like a celebrity lawyer at this point, and he's really good. Like, yeah. I mean, he ends up getting Aaron off of this uh, charge for the t- double homicide. Ends up basically being able to throw out the case that there's not enough evidence against Aaron, yada, yada, yada. And then he is, like, getting ready for the appeal. He's going to appeal this other uh, murder charge and try and get him off for the Odin Lloyd murder as well. So they're like stoked at this point. Like he's not, you know what I mean? He got off of the double murder charge. They're getting ready for an appeal. Um, in co- in the courtroom, when he does get the appeal, like he's su- Aaron's super emotional and is like blowing kisses to his little girl. Like oh, everything just seemed like it was going really well. Like it was going his way and that he might have a chance at getting out. Yeah. Um, then in the media, the rumors about him being gay come out. There's, like, mm-hmm. this inmate that says, like, him and Aaron were together. Yeah. There's just, like, a bunch of, like, stuff going on through the media. And two days after that happens, they find that Aaron had actually hung himself in his cell. Oh, really? Yeah, which, again, like, people were just shocked. Like, things had been going so well for him. Yeah. So they were like, what the hell? Like, did it have to do with, you know, this rumor about yeah. his sexuality? Like, he cared so much about that, but not the other things that, that brought him to that, like... Right, it's really, really weird. So I actually have a little clip about his suicide, so okay. let me real quick. Okay. We do move on tonight, and to new reporting here this evening after a former Patriot star was discovered dead in his cell. Authorities say it was a suicide tonight. What was discovered written on Aaron Hernandez's head when he was found in that cell. ABC's Eva Pilgrim outside the prison in Shirley, Massachusetts tonight. Tonight, questions surrounding the death of former NFL star Aaron Hernandez. His body now with the state medical examiner. ABC News learning he was found in his cell with John 316 across his forehead. A Bible verse referencing death and eternal life. Prison officials have called his death a suicide, saying he hanged himself with a bedsheet tied to his prison cell window. Miami Dolphins Mike Pouncey posting, Today my heart hurts as I got the worst news I could have imagined. It was just a day ago we shared our last convo. But tonight, some of those close to him suspect foul play. Something's not right. 
Something doesn't add up. Not guilty. Pointing out, 27-year-old Fernandez was just acquitted five days ago in a 2012 double murder. Emotional in court, blowing kisses to his daughter. Guilty of murder in the first degree. And appealing that life sentence for another murder. A stunning fall from grace for the former tight end for the Patriots. Once with a $40 million contract, cut by the team after being led from his house in handcuffs, arrested for the 2013 murder of his friend, Odin Lloyd. His lawyer saying there were no conversations or correspondence from Aaron that would have indicated anything like this was possible. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's shocked. And then um, there's like, so I don't know, in that video, they talk about how like that John 316 was written on his forehead. Yeah. Apparently there was like also like drawings and like blood and stuff like weird, like religious things like in his cell. So like just a lot of weirdness going on. He left three suicide notes, one to his lawyer, one to his fiance, and then one to his daughter. And in the one to his fiance, he was like, you're rich. Oh, and people were like, what? Like what? Yeah. And so it's really weird because one, there's no clear motive as to why he killed Odin. Right. Um, and some people think And then again, and then, so there's no clear motive to that. And then there's also no clear motive as to why he would commit suicide. Yeah. So some people think that he committed suicide because of this law he had found out about. And in this law, it's called abatement ab initio or something like that. Basically, if you're charged with murder and you end up dying or committing suicide, your family gets all of, like, the money that's locked up into the lawsuit. What? So so people think that he killed himself knowing that all of his money and everything would end up going to his family and not to Odin Lloyd's family. And that's why he said, you're rich. Yeah, yeah. So people think that that's part of the motive as to why he killed himself. Obviously, some people think it had to do with, like, the rumors about his sexuality coming out. Um, Some people think, and going back to the motive about, like, why did he kill his friend? Like, him and Odin were friends. Like, why did he kill him? People think that maybe, again, maybe he knew something about his sexuality. Maybe Odin knew something about, like, the murder, like, the double murder homicide. I can't talk, sorry. The double murder that he was coming up in or, like, that he had done in the past. People think maybe he knew something about that. Hmm. Like, it's just really weird. So, anyway... At this point, Aaron's dead, and they end up getting his brain donated to science. And they find that there's this, like, he has this case of this disease called CTE. Probably from concussions? uh, Yeah, exactly. So CTE is common in, it's basically a disease that football players get. It's called chronic traumatic uropathy or something like that. And and, it, and it's exactly what you're talking about. It's yeah. basically caused from, like, major concussions, major trauma, you know, just this disease that ends up making them violent, making them irrational, making them paranoid, and in a lot of cases ends up in suicide. Yeah. And Aaron Hernandez has the worst case of it they have ever seen Dang. And in general, and not only in general, but he was only 27 at the time, so he's still really young. Jeez. Like They think that he's had this for over 10 years, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse, and like the pictures when they show like a normal brain compared, compared. to Aaron Hernandez's brain is insane. Jeez. It's just like super inflamed compared. 
Yeah, it's like basically there's these like two huge holes in his head. What is what it looks like? It's it's really crazy. Weird. Um, so sorry, that was a lot of information, and that is literally like a fraction of the yeah, details that I'm have sure. gone on in the so if you're interested I definitely recommend the Netflix documentary Jeez, that's so crazy it was a wild ride I like I said I never knew anything about him other than he was a football player but like yeah of craziness that went on I was just like what the hell yeah well and I'm sure this brain thing that they found out they're trying to connect it to his actions you know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah that's like one of the lots of people are like well that's exactly why he was acting yeah. this way like it literally all adds up yeah there's this one doctor lady that like that's her main um specialty is trying to figure out yeah. how to diagnose this during life okay because they obviously can't really examine it until yeah exactly dead. yeah Geez, that's so crazy. So crazy. There you guys have it. I mean, there's some famous people who've committed uh, murders and uh, maybe don't look up to them too much. Yep, exactly. We never know what's going on with people. We never know with it. And there's two, both of them have a documentary. So if you want more details, because there's a lot more, go watch them. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you guys have a good weekend. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Friends, Two Murders. Go follow us on Instagram at Two Friends Two Murders Podcast. Episodes are available on both Apple Podcast and Buzzsprout. Don't forget to go leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via Instagram or email us at Two Friends Two Murders Podcast at gmail.com.